to the latest installment of the Sharp Best Ball Show. I'm your host, Todd Burrows, at Best Ball NFL on Twitter. And today we will look for additional edges using offensive line play with our guest, Brandon Thorne of Trench Warfare and, of course, Establish the Run. Brandon has just dropped his rankings for the new season. And if you're like me, you're going to want to have a membership to Establish the Run. And um, you can check them out. We will reference them in the um, podcast, of course, and the stream. And that will help you to maybe find some nice advantages when you are drafting on underdog fantasy and trying to take down $3 million. When you do that, you need every edge you can get. And this show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy and the biggest fantasy football tournament of all time. Best Ball Mania 4, where the first prize is $3 million. Don't know what Best Ball is? It's simple. You just enter Best Ball Manias on uh, its slick mobile app, draft your team, and that's it. Yep, it's set it and forget it as Underdog optimizes your lineup weekly to create the highest scoring one. It's here, it's Best Ball Mania 4, and it's your shot at a first place prize of $3 million. Get signed up on underdogfantasy.com or via the App Store with the promo code SHARPKIT. And they'll not only double your first deposit up to $100, but you'll also receive the Sharp Football Draft Kit for just $1. That kit includes over 40 exclusive fantasy football articles, which will help your chances at winning the $3 million grand prize. That's underdog, fan, underdog Fantasy promo code SHARPKIT. And now let's bring in Brandon. Brandon, how are you today? Doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big fan of your work. Um, I used it a lot for Daily Fantasy last year, looking for different edges and um, definitely appreciate what you do. Also a member of Trench Warfare. I get the regular email, um, you know, mostly weekly, sometimes bi-weekly. So literally, Brandon is in the trenches working to help you to understand not just offensive, but defensive line as well. And um, that reminds me, it's one of those days. There we go. Now you can see me too. That might not be a good thing. So um, Brandon, I want to start by getting a little bit on your background and specifically how you look to rate offensive line play? Yeah, so um, my background, I got started scouting, you know, football um, in really like 2014 officially. Um, before that, I was I was in the military for 10 years uh, in the Air Force, but I, you know, was a huge football fan and all that during that time. But I, I really, I left the military to, to pursue scouting. And um, so 2014 was kind of when I started. Uh, it's been you know eight nine years now. Um, man, I've I've worked for a variety of different media outlets, uh, people, um, scouted for the Senior Bowl for multiple years, and um, just a, a bunch of different places. Um, I guess some of my main kind of breaks, you know, along the way, main mentors as well were like uh, Dan Hatman with the Scouting Academy. Um, they run an online-based scouting curriculum that is incredible. Uh, so I did that in 2014, right right away, 2015. Um, so that helped me a lot. 
And then uh, I got linked up with uh, Charles Bentley, who was training offensive linemen in 2016. I played in high school. I always loved offensive line. And then when I joined social media back in like 14, I, I kind of realized nobody was really talking about the position and uh, just wanted to figure out a way to combine my love of the position with, you know, kind of that that opportunity there you know, to analyze it. So, uh, you know, LaCharles invited me to his clinic in 2016. Then I met Duke Mannyweather, uh, who, you know, is offensive line masterminds. Um, he created that, uh, you know, basically that brand. So uh, started picking his brain. He brought me under his wing. And then I've been working with Duke for six years now, um, uh, doing various scouting work. And then now I've been full time with it for about three years. Uh, Bleacher Report, I, I work a lot with them. Uh, they hire me to scout the offensive line class, you know, in the upcoming drafts every year. They've been doing that for three years. Uh, my trench warfare newsletter established the run. And I do a lot of most, almost all my work is done outside of social media for players and coaches. So I do a lot of scouting videos for NFL players, for college coaches, things like that, uh, advanced scouting um, and that, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, it's all geared around offensive and defensive line play. And um, I mean, I love what I do. And it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really a blessing. So, yeah, that, that's that's what I do, how I got here, kind of a snapshot of it, at least. And yeah, established the run. I started with them about four years ago now. So, yep. I'm, I'm always up for a good blessing. So um, yeah. Yeah, speak in my language there. LaCharles Bentley, obviously great player, hobbled by a couple major knee injuries. Yeah. Um, or, or I think he would have been a, a Hall of Fame player, no doubt. Um, yeah. Definitely uh, was sad to see his career cut short by injury. So um, mm -hmm. if I understand, you know, I want to take a piece out of something you just said. Um, so it's it, because I wasn't aware of that. So you actually work with, um, when you say advanced scouting for college, do you mean that if, you know, Team X is going to play Team Y this week, you help them to kind of analyze the play of their opponent? I've done work like that in the past for players, like for their upcoming specific opponent. Um, gotcha. That's not typically what I do, though. Um, typically what I do is I make them videos on techniques that they want to teach their players or to teach how to defeat um so i basically you know use my scouting notes you know because during the season you know i've, I've been watching coaching coaching film you know all 22 since about 2014 and i record a lot of videos so i have a little over like two terabytes right now of just film uh you know of teach tape examples from players categorized by player by technique or by team so I have a huge database going back to that time frame. Um, so if guys want to see, you know, how this guy wins using this rush, I can just type in his name in my in my uh, library and I could pull up something, you know, and that's helpful to show for coaches, for instance, that's helpful to show their players, you know, this is how so-and-so wins using this technique. This is how so-and-so had success defeating them using that technique. Here's 10 examples, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so that's one way that I can help them. Um, and then for players, you know, like you mentioned, one of them, you know, I've done some advanced scouting work for them where I scout an upcoming opponent and kind of give them a snapshot on how they win, you know, maybe something to keep in mind, 
you know, one way they could take advantage of them, something like that. Um, and then I also make highlight tapes as well for offensive and defensive linemen. I just made one for Max Crosby, um, you know, and then uh, mainly offensive line, though. I've done one of the most one of the most fun guys in the league right now. Yeah, Crosby's awesome. Um, it was really cool to, to watch literally every snap of him and just focus on him uh, this past season. And I really gained an appreciation for him against the run as well, which I don't know if a lot of people really give you know enough credit to. Um, but that's kind of an aside, but yeah, so, you know, the highlight tapes is a big thing as well because offensive linemen don't get highlight tapes and I, I'm the one who makes those for them. So I've been fortunate to get to do a lot of those, you know, 40 or 50, uh, over the last few years. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a unique, you know, niche, but yeah, I try to, you know, add value any way I can. You, you know what they say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's amazing. Um, I, I do have a special request based on that. You know, I always am fascinated by, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not what you are, right? But I aspire to continue to add to my knowledge base. I would love for you, for ETR to kind of go team by team with what the run scheme is and some things about the run scheme so that, you know, you can see if the back, you know, and then maybe does the back, you know, which back on that team fits that run scheme as a way to kind of find under the radar players. I don't know what your time's like, but, you know, if you don't ask, you'll never receive. I, I think that would be a fascinating addition to what you already do. Yeah, I mean, it sounds awesome. It would be quite the undertaking for sure, time-wise, you know, for, for me to do that right, you know, because I, I primarily don't focus on scheme necessarily. Gotcha. I'm more focused on technique. players, you know, traits, technique, um, you know, things like that. But, uh, but I, you know, I have a general sense of scheme and, and things like that. And, but yeah, there's, there's probably other guys out there more qualified than me to do that, but it, I could play a part in a project like that for sure. You know, that would be cool. Um, yep, no worries. Um, yeah. it just, it just occurred to me. I thought I yeah, would mention a good idea. Yeah. A lot of people who even talk about offensive line play, you know, you don't get much. And when you do it, they seem to lump it all, all line play in together. You take the time each week during the NFL season to go through both run and pass mismatches. Can you explain this a little bit more? Yeah. So for establish the run, I think this is my fourth year, you know, with them now. And so every week, you know, before the season, I'll come out with my top 32 rankings, O and D line with a focus on pass protection and pass rush. So there may be some of these rankings where the run blocking, you know, may have may bump or, you know, lessen a team, but I, I try and focus more on the passing element. Um, so with that being said, you know, during the week, I try to identify, I re-rank basically all 32 uh, pass protection units and pass rushing units based on their upcoming matchup and also based on just how well they're playing at the time. So week one is not going to be any different than, you know, my top 32 right now that just came out this morning. Um, because, you know, for one, they haven't played anybody yet and it, nothing's really changed. But then week two, there might be some subtle changes, you know, based on how they played, also considering who they're playing the upcoming week and then injuries and things like that, of course, um, you know, make it fluctuate. So uh, I do that week, you know, week after week throughout the regular season. I also do it in the playoffs. Um, I re-rank all 32 with like an in-depth analysis at the mid-season mark, you know, around week eight, eight or nine. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I've had some success with that. I, I know there was there was some guy who was tracking how well I did against the spread, you know, and all these cool metrics that he had that were really interesting. Not even my intent, um, you know, because I'm not trying to necessarily predict game outcomes, but um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm really just trying to predict, um, you know, who is going to see the most pressure or the least amount of pressure, and then kind of where it's going to come from you know, and then let people do with that, you know, what they can, you know, get in value out of that, however they see fit. But that's kind of what I do. And I, I base those things, I'd say 95% off of my film study on the players and on the, the units, um, both offensive and defensively in the past and that current season with an emphasis on that current season, of course, but, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with these players going years and years back. So I kind of combine all that and, try to estimate, you know, you know, pressure or the lack thereof on a weekly basis. I always work by the theory that when it comes to offensive line play, that the top five matter and the bottom five matter, but the rest for the most part are bunched together. And it, it, it it's it, the juice kind of isn't worth the squeeze. What do you think of that theory and um, uh, in general and, that, you know, using that application? I mean, if you want to keep things like simple and kind of surface level, I think that that's, you know, a fair, you know, theory and a fair way to look at it. It'll get you in the ballpark. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard for me to look at it like that completely because I'm, you know, more in the weeds. So, yeah. you know, I, I would say it changes on a year by year basis, even on a, you know, halfway point of the season basis, depending on the injuries and and whatever else happens, but sometimes it's the top seven that matter more or the top eight or the top four, or, you know, so it, it kind of varies a little bit, but I'd say generally, you know, um, that's, it'll get you in the ballpark of kind of, I think what you're attempting to do there and just identify right. the real, you know, game changing units, but, but yeah, so there's, you know, uh, we, we could go into spe more specifics if you want, but yeah, I think that's generally an, an okay way to look at it. Yeah. And, you know, my other question, which I, I don't know is as relevant, um, I wasn't aware that you mostly focused on pass protection, uh, yeah. but is there certain lines that people think are a good offensive line, but they're, they're really only good at one half, you know, individual linemen can be really good at one and be terrible at the other, units can be, how they play together, offensive line play is so fascinating overall, but are there any teams that jump out to you as being imbalanced where people think they're a good offensive line, but really they're only good at one part of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So yeah, I mean, just initially going off of last year and then with the projections this year as well, I mean, a couple right off the top, you know, I think the Falcons are probably the best example. They're clearly better run blockers than pass protectors. And, um, you know, another factor into my rankings, of course, is, you know, factoring in what the offensive line is asked to do or what they're not asked to do. And, you know, if you apply that thinking to the Falcons, um, you know, I mean, I think last year they were, you know, top one or two in rush attempts and play action percentage. So, you know, this is an offensive line that they're tasked with primarily run blocking because that suits their strengths, you know, partly because that suits their strengths, 
And then when they do pass the ball, they're passing out of heavy formations. So a lot of 12, 21 personnel, things like that, you know, multiple tight ends on the field, um, which, you know, obviously kind of helps in pass protection, depending on where they're aligned and how they're used. And then when they do pass it, almost the majority of the time, I think more than the majority of the time, it's play action, which means you get to sell the run before you pass. And it makes things a little bit easier. It's much different than a drop back passing scheme. Um, or, so, or, or a shotgun, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, even shotgun, you could be a heavy run team like the Eagles. You know, they're they're a shotgun team, but they run the ball more than they pass. So, right. But what I mean is play action. Oh, play action. Play, yeah, play action. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, when you're in shotgun, I mean, I, you see them give that little dippy fake. Um, of the handoff, there but it's a lot the, of RPOs. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's not nearly as as effective as an old fashioned uh, play action. Yeah, I mean they're different. RPOs and play action are certainly different, but yeah, I mean I would say teams that run a high you know degree of play action or RPOs, it does alleviate you know kind of the burden of offensive linemen and pass protection either way. Um, you could say play action does a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they both help. Uh, so that's something with the Falcons that I always consider if you put that offensive line in more of a drop back type of scheme, which won't happen, I don't believe, you know, at least not this year, you know, um, based on who they have on their offensive line, like a guy like Caleb McGarry, you know, uh, I remember studying him coming out of the university of Washington a couple of years ago, clearly a better run blocker than pass blocker really struggled his first couple of years in the league. Um, last year had the best year of his career all of a sudden. Well, Arthur Smith came to the team, you know, installed a, a completely different scheme. They're running the ball, they're running play action. All of a sudden, Caleb McGarry is an asset, you know, that he didn't really make that much of a jump, you know, necessarily. It was more what he was and wasn't asked to do. So that's one example of a guy on that offensive line that benefits. Um, so, that's one team. Um, I think you can. Oh, mention... Let me just jump in before you jump out of that team. Jake yeah. Matthews also, I believe, you know, obviously great heritage family, uh, hall of fame, family members. Um, he was a little weak in past pro coming uh, his first couple years too, if I remember. Yeah. I mean, Jake Matthews is definitely different than Caleb and Gary, very different players. Um, definitely more athletic, better mover. Uh, lighter, you know, things like that, uh, better fit for his, you know, heavy zone type of scheme, but he could do both uh, different than McGarry. Um, the thing about Jake Matthews, you know, he, he also played for, you know, in a Kyle Shanahan scheme, um, you know, when he was there for that year and he's been exposed to different things. So we've kind of seen him in a lot of different, you know, schemes, but I mean, he's, I think Jake Matthews is pretty underrated actually, especially because of offensive line availability is, so important and i mean if you look at his his statistics in terms of games started i think he's missed one game in what eight or nine years i mean he's like an nfl iron man so yeah Jake just Matthews, like just like he, either his dad or like his, his dad yeah. it was his dad right who, who yeah who was dad. like that yeah yeah exactly yeah it's yeah. very similar in terms of, of that goes uh but yeah Bruce Matthews, man, just total legend. He was just that. Yeah. I was at Offensive Line Masterminds uh, a week ago, and Bruce Matthews was there, so it was it was really cool. But anyway, yeah. And you were going to mention some other teams before I rudely cut you off. No, no, no. It's all good. Um, yeah, I would. 
let me think, you know, I, of course the Ravens, you know, year in, year out, their offensive scheme is very unique. So, you know, their offensive line are obviously run blocking more than pass blocking Lamar, you know, writes a lot of wrongs when he's playing, um, you know, in terms of evading pressure, not letting pressure turn into sacks, things like that. Um, you know, that helps this year is going to be very different, which is going to be interesting. I still think the offensive line is actually, you know, going to be really good this year in that, you know, dr dramatic change in scheme that they're going through. Um, so, but that's like a year's past example. I think that's good for sure. Um, let's see. Let's, let's go the other way. Let's mm -hmm. go to a team that people think is really terrible, but they're actually not bad in one area. Um, that people think are terrible. Can, can you give me a, maybe a couple that people think are terrible and I can maybe tell you. Put up, put up that again, Adam, uh, producer Adam. That's the sharp rankings for this year okay. uh, that we came out with. Um, probably yeah. not quite as scientific as yours, but. Um, so as far as the bottom five here, uh, I would say that I'm definitely higher on the Bucks and the Jaguars. Uh, but those you know, the other three, I, I pretty much agree with that. Um, but yeah, the Bucks and the Jaguars, uh, if you want to go into those, let's, let's see. Sure. So Bucks, for instance, I quite a bit higher than on the Bucks, you know, this year. So first of all, I think it's, there is, there is some uncertainty here. There, this is a transitional phase for, you know, for the, the team in many regards, obviously with Brady leaving also with the offensive line, you know, a lot of turnover here, there's going to probably be four new starters, um, although two of them were starters last year, they're just going to be at different positions, and that's Tristan Wirfs and Luke Decky. So Tristan Wirfs, you know, probably the second best right tackle in football. He's moving to the left side where he played some in college at Iowa. That's going to be a little bit of uncertainty there. I still think it'll be really good. Luke Decky's playing right tackle. He played left guard last year. He was really bad. But then the last two games of the season, I want to say, he played right tackle, looked much better. I think that's his natural position. That's where he played at Central Michigan. That's where I evaluated him. Um, so I think he'll be better. So you have Wirfs and Godecki at tackle. I think that'll probably be solid, if not very good. If Wirfs is what he was at right tackle, he's going to be an all pro. And then inside, I'm pretty bullish on the inside. You know, Ryan Jensen's coming back uh, from a knee injury that kept him out the whole regular season last year. I think he's one of the three best centers in football. Matt Filer was signed to play left guard. And then right guard, uh, they drafted Cody Malk uh, from North Dakota State in the second round, I want to say. Um, so they're very high on him. And he's very much in the mold of guys that they've had success with, small school guys with his playing style. Think Alex Kappa. Um, I, I think Cody Malk can have a very similar career arc to him. So, and I, I think he's, Byler, he's also got that name. You know, like John Madden used to believe a lot in that. You know, Malk just sounds like a good offense. Have you seen lineman. this guy? No. Okay. His wait to you. People who listen to this will probably know what he looks like, but he has long red hair and he's missing like three front teeth. Oh, I did see him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it, during That's the draft, I do that. That that rang a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's definitely a unique dude in, in a lot of ways, but he's very athletic he, and he's nasty, you know, physical tone setter, good finisher, fits right into with what uh, GM Jason Light, Light uh, likes in Tampa. Um, so I just feel like this offensive line is going to be middle of the pack. 
they're only spending about like 23 and a half million dollars on their offensive line, which ranks 31st in the NFL. Um, so, you know, I can understand how maybe expectations are that this is a total rebuild type of offensive line, but uh, you know, Ryan Jensen's a pro bowler. Tristan Wurst is an all pro, even though he's switching positions. I, I like Malk and then Matt Filer, I think is pretty solid. I mean, you know, I, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to do them any favors. I think he's actually going to make them look worse than they are. That's he, another he, piece. He never does. Things. That's another piece of things that I factor into all this is quarterback play uh, as well. So you can't evaluate offensive line without evaluating the quarterback. It just, it doesn't work. So um, with that said, Baker Mayfield, if you want to factor him into this heavily, um, he's not going to do them any favors. He's going to invite pressure and he's going to take sacks. So that's going to make them look worse than I think they actually are. And and it could end up leading um, to Trask playing, right? Uh, Possibly. Yeah. You know, if they're not going to go anywhere and, I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, you got to give John McVay a tremendous amount of credit for what he got out of Baker Mayfield, Um, you know, but anywhere else he's been, he's just looked miserable. Let's talk a little bit about player movement and free agency. What are some of the moves that caught your attention the most and situations that have changed that most people might not have uh, accounted for? We put up some of the bigger contracts up here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, well, it wasn't free agency. It was a trade. I would mention Shaq Mason, you know, going from Tampa to Houston. I think that was a pretty That's dramatic, my favorite move. Yeah, it was a pretty dramatic upgrade for Houston's offensive line, in my opinion. I think Shaq Mason is maybe the most underrated guard in football year in, year out. People, I think, have this thing in their mind of him when he came out of Georgia Tech in the triple option offense. He's just a you know, a pure road grading run blocker, but he's actually a really good pass protector as well. He got really, really good at that under Dante Scarnecchia in New England. Um, you know, maybe the greatest offensive line coach of all time. But, you know, Mason, I think year in, year out is just a really well-rounded, good player. That's an upgrade for Houston at right guard that I think is going to really matter. So, And I, th- I think um, it'll really help Damian Pierce. I think Damian Pierce is a very talented runner. Um, he, you know, he was kind of a mini Nick Chubb last year. And, uh, you know, that was one of the moves that really, I, I, I was buying a lot of Damian Pierce early in best ball. Yeah. I mean, I I think that makes some sense. You know, I think with Mason and Kenyon green at guard, those guys are both excellent pullers. I think we're going to see a lot of gap scheme in Houston, um, just to accentuate their, their strengths. I, I think that's, uh, you know, again, kind of a middle of the pack, you know, offensive line, maybe slightly above average. You know, I, I see them, um, you know, just all things considered. Last year, they had the worst starting center in football, um, and that made them look really bad. He was he was really bad. Um, they drafted two centers. Uh, so I think that that'll at least be better than last year, which may or may not say be saying much. But, you know, Laramie Tunsil's a top three left tackle in football. Titus Howard is, you know, solid. Um yeah, I, I think that's a pretty a pretty good offensive line. So, you know, Shaq Mason would be somebody that I would uh, throw out there for that. Um, I'm just looking at my my list no here to see um, somebody else who you didn't have listed if there is anybody else that comes to mind. Yeah, free agency. I, I would say there's more like turnover in the draft, you know, that I think is going to be interesting draft pick wise. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. 
Yeah. But first, I do want to mention that um, the Sharp Warren Sharp's 2023 preview book is available for download now. It's over 500 pages of the most unique and in-depth analysis to get you ready for the NFL season. In addition to Warren's unparalleled write-ups, the book features fantasy analysis from Rich Rebar, rookie analysis from Ryan McChrystal, and much more, including incredibly detailed breakdowns of all 32 teams' tendencies and a deep dive into this year's schedule. Go to sharpfootballanalysis.com to get your copy. You will not regret it. So um, are there any – But I want to spend more time on the draft too, but I, I don't want to leave free agency without asking – um, you know, Shaq Mason left from somewhere, right? Like, what yeah. are the teams that are going to be worse based on losing players? Um, man, that's a good, good question. I, I would say the 49ers losing Mike McGlinchey. That's one, you know, because they're replacing him with Cole McKivitz, who, um, you know, I don't believe has started any games. And if he, uh, he's he's going to be the first year starting in his career, you know. So, not that Trent I'm a Will, huge Trent Trent Williams getting up there in age a bit, a little injury prone too, but he's still a um, lead, right? Yeah, I'm not worried about Trent Williams. Yeah, okay. he's he's the best tackle in football. But yeah, Mike McGlinchey, um, you know, leaving. You know, Mike McGlinchey's you know not a great player, but he's good. He's certainly above average. I think you know he's a good right tackle then they could be potentially going from that to below average right tackle, you know, so that's going to be a difference for sure. I will say, however, you know, going back to kind of some of the scheme talk, the 49ers, in my opinion, are probably one of the two or three most offensive line friendly schemes in football. So, you know, it's probably going to hurt them less than it would, you know, 95% of teams in the league. Um, but still in high leverage situations, meaning, you know, down, you know, late in games or obvious pass situations where they have to drop back and they can't put all the that window dressing in their offense and they can't run play action and all this stuff. In those scenarios, I think it will hurt them a little bit um, because McGlinchey was more reliable than McKivitz. So, um, you know, in certain matchups, certain weeks, I would definitely consider that one um, to be one where an offensive line would be worse. Um let me follow up again, because you just said something very interesting that I think deserves being elaborated on. You said that the San Francisco 49ers have one of the most uh, offensive line friendly systems in the league, correct? Could you please explain for us in a little more detail why that is? Yeah, well, I don't, you know, I will say I don't think I'm breaking news here. It's it's Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan. I mean, this has been true for 25 years. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it goes back to, you know, a Shanahan offense. First of all, uh, the run game is tied to the pass game brilliant, brilliantly. So things look the same. Defenses are consistently on their heels and confused when they face <laughs> Kyle Shanahan offense. They don't know whether it's run or pass because he's a master at making everything look the same. So that's one thing a ton of motion, a ton of misdirection, a ton of eye candy pre-snap. That also creates additional, um, you know, manipulation of the defense that creates uh, advantageous timing and angles for the, the offensive line in the run game in particular. Um, and then when they do pass, it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of, um, you know, they do run some RPOs. Uh, it's just, 
you're very rarely going to get a true drop back pass in a 49ers offense. Uh, you just, you just never really see that. Uh, so, so it, if I understand you correctly, what you're saying isn't that it's offensive line friendly in the sense that there's some teaching, but that they do all the things to support the offensive line to put right. so that there's less pressure on the player. That's what makes it so friendly. Yeah, exactly. All right. That, that, that is a uh, really good information. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, uh, uh, and now let's look at the counter because one guy that I've been fading very hard in drafts at ADP is Alexander Madison. And one of the big reasons that I'm doing so is because the Shanahan system is no longer there. And I think people still have it in their mind that Minnesota is this great place for running backs when um, it's a different system. Um, am I correct there? Because I'm making a pretty big bet on fading Madison. Um, what What is the Viking situation? And um, any thoughts on that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one. Um, I think there's still shades of that system there but it's not as you know prominent as it has been in the past for sure like when gary kubiak was there um you know it's it's more of a kind of a passing oriented system especially with justin jefferson i mean you know obviously uh but you know chris cooper's the offensive line coach he was an offensive lineman who played for mike shanahan um in denver uh so he certainly is very familiar with the shanahan system and he's you know coaching the offensive line every day so, you know, you consider that. Um, but yeah, I would say their offensive line is a little bit below average, you know, to me, um, especially how I rank it geared towards passing, uh, you know, pass protection. I mean, if you watch the quarterback series on Netflix, I mean, Kirk Cousins is getting murdered back there, um, you know, and that's, you know, they returned all five starters. Uh, so it's not like they went out and upgraded anything. Um, I do expect them to be a little bit better than they were last year you know, just because they have really very young guys who are, you know, expectantly going to get a little bit better at least. But I would still have serious reservations about the interior of their offensive line in pass protection. That's kind of my biggest hang up with their offensive line. Oh, all right. Excellent. And thank you very much. <clears throat> you, you mentioned that you do think the draft is um, obviously a big factor um, tell us some of the teams and some of the players that you're really high on and how it might elevate. Uh, we, we put up some of the early picks. Um, give us give us some of your thoughts on these guys and uh, any under the radar guys that you uh, you think might, you know, because one thing about offensive line is we found you don't have to be drafted early to be good. Yeah, for sure. Um, of those guys that you just put up there, I would say the guy that you know, for, for fantasy purposes, especially that I would pay attention to is Darnell Wright, you know, in Chicago. Um, this is another system, you know, that is very heavy run oriented um, because they probably can't pass the ball, you know, very well for a multitude of reasons. You know, for one, they're all better run blockers than pass blockers last year. And the same is true this year. Um, so you, you don't want to pass the ball a lot with that offensive line. And then the quarterback as well is a whole nother thing. But you know, obviously you probably would want to run the ball more with Justin Fields and pass, at least now, um, you know, in the short term. So, you know, with that being said, Darnell Wright, to me, was maybe the best run blocking offensive lineman in the draft. So, 
you're putting him at right tackle. You sign Nate Davis, who I think you just had a graphic up of earlier in free agency. The re, the right side of the offensive line is revamped, and those guys are they they're making their money for what they could do in the run game. So you're you're certainly going to run the ball a lot this year again. Um, Darnell Wright's going to make a big difference. Um, you know, moving Tevin Jenkins to left you know left guard alongside Braxton Jones, and then with Cody Whitehair at center. I think that offensive line is just set up very nicely to be a probably a pretty good run blocking offensive line. However, you know, if the if the Bears get down in a game and they're playing, you know, the game script gets out of hand and they have to, you know, pass the ball too much and, you know, have too much obvious pass situations, I think it could get, you know, kind of ugly depending on who they're playing, especially, um, you know, in terms of a pass protection perspective. But Darnell Wright is certainly a rookie, I think, who's going to make an impact, uh, you know, primarily in the run game. Um, I would throw out Matthew Bergeron, uh, you know, Syracuse left tackle who's drafted to play left guard in Atlanta. Um, I think Atlanta last year, their weakness, their primary weakness was left guard. You know, it was Elijah Wilkinson, I want to say, who's primary starter. Um, so by inserting Bergeron, I think that's a major upgrade. I think he's going to be able to make that transition inside pretty seamlessly based on his skill set and his physical traits. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, that's why I have them pretty highly rated this year as an offensive line, even if they are a more run heavy offense and, you know, geared towards that. So Bergeron is certainly one. I think we have to mention uh, Tyler Steen. He's going to be starting for the Eagles. Uh, you know, probably have the best offensive line in football. He's probably going to start at right guard. Uh, Alabama left tackle moving to right guard. I like Steen coming out, you know, as kind of, I think he got drafted third, fourth round. That's kind of where I had him graded. Um, I think, you know, obviously there's no better place to develop as an offensive lineman than Philadelphia Eagles because of Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach. So I expect him to be good. I expect them to, you know, still be the best offensive line in the league probably. So that's going to be a very interesting one nonetheless, though, because Steen is going to Philly and he's going to be playing in between two Hall of Famers. For, for Coach Jeff Stoutland. I mean, he went to the dream scenario for an offensive lineman. The, the, so. the nut, the nut outcome. Yeah, and, I mean, and it, you and you liked him as a player um, as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought ideally, you know, he would kind of ease into a starting role because obviously, when you're projecting college players, you don't know where they're going to go, so you have to kind of project on a general level. Right. But if you know, if I was scouting for the Eagles. You know, I certainly could have probably graded him higher, you know, because of knowing who my coach is, who, you know, who he's going to be playing next to, things like that. So the fact that he went to Philly makes me like him even more. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think he could be an immediate starter there. Um, I mentioned the Houston, you know, situation. Juice Scruggs, uh, Penn State center, um, he's going to be playing. He's going to start most likely at center. I think that's going to make a difference, you know, considering what they had last year. Um, man, I mean, the, the Ravens have a chance to have a, a, a rookie left guard starter. Uh, the Seahawks have potential to have two starting rookies on their offensive line. At center and they had and right two guard. last year. Yep. And they could they have had two starting team. rookie tackles last year. Yeah. They could have two starting rookies this year. And, I, and however, are they, think, are they more run or uh, pass oriented? These guys, um, I, I mean, the, so there's two guys, Olu, Olu, Timmy. Who, who won the Remington Award last year for the best center in the country. 
He got drafted in the fifth round. Um, he's competing with a free agent signing named Evan Brown for the center spot. I think he has a better chance of winning it than their fourth round pick, Anthony Bradford from LSU, who's competing with Phil Haynes, who's another fourth round pick that they picked a couple years ago. But he, Phil Haynes just got re signed. I think Phil Haynes is going to win that job. But I think Olu Oluwatimi could, you know, be a starting center, you know, for that team in week one as a rookie. So, that's that's another one. Um, I'm not super well, high on him. Let, but. let me follow up with one more on the Seahawks because yeah. that's a team very interesting because they added high value rookies in both the pass and the run game. You know, I'm not up on it enough that the two. I know they were pretty happy with the two rookies they played last year, uh, yeah. but do you see that as more of a run line, pass line, both? I see that as kind of a well rounded one. Um, I'm pretty high on the Seahawks offensive line this year. Uh, the considering that they're spending the least amount of money in the entire NFL at the position. Um, I expect their production to way exceed that. So, um, you know, they're, they're spending like 22 and a half million dollars on their offensive line, which is insane. Um, but the, the reason they're able to do this is because of what you alluded to last year, drafting two rookie tackles who both look like long-term starters and Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. So that's where it starts. They're pillars of the offensive line and they're both well-rounded. And then inside you got Damian Lewis at left guard, who I think is an underrated guy. He's good. You know, not, he's probably not a pro bowler, but he's good. Um, and then this center right guard situation, it's a four man race. I think regardless of how it plays out, none of neither of these, you know, options um, are probably going to be liabilities. I think, they might be below average or whatever, but you could, I think you could certainly win with those guys. And if they actually, if one of those guys plays out and one of those guys is just, you know, middling. Okay. I think this offensive line could be really good. So um, yeah, they're very young, very cheap. And I think they're actually going to be pretty good. So from a team building perspective, like they're in an incredible spot right now. It's, it's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. I mean, I could sit here, and pick your brain on this probably for two hours. We don't have two hours. Um, I want to get to a couple other teams that yeah. I have questions on. The Bengals had a really bad line two years ago and took steps in each of the last two years. Um, you know, we've got this uh, situation with Joe Mixon. Um, you know, to me in the playoffs, that for the first time you really saw them say, hey, let us drop back and throw the ball. Tell us about their offensive line, the tendencies there, and, and how you think it might affect the outlook for that team. Yeah, so, you know, the fact that they went out and signed Orlando Brown, you know, was a huge splash, big surprise. Um, but I, I definitely understood it. And I uh, actually did a film room with Orlando Brown for my my sub stack, which was really, I think, informative <laughs> for this discussion as well. But um, just talking to him about it and, and whatnot and, you know, kind of looking at his strengths. I think they really wanted to improve, you know, the depth of the pocket, um, you know, particularly from the tackle spot and Orlando Brown. I mean, you know, he's six foot eight, 360 pounds. You're not really going to go through him. You have to go around him. And that's difficult, you know, just because of the sheer girth and length that he has. And he, he's a pretty good technician as well, even though he's not a good athlete. Um, so with that being said, He's going to be a guy who's going to do really well against power rushers, kind of keeping the depth of the pocket intact. 
giving Burrow a little bit more room to operate. So I think, you know, getting Orlando Brown as an upgrade, I think he's a good starter and he's certainly reliable as well, which is a huge feather in his cap, especially at his size. And then inside of him, you have one of the best, the, not one of the best, one of the biggest left guards in football in Cordell Wilson, who, you know, was a rookie last year, fifth round pick starter, uh, fourth or fifth round. He's like six, seven, like three twenty. So this left side is enormous now. Um, and you know, that, that'll help in some ways it could be exploited as well, you know, depending on the matchup and then, you know, Alex Kappa rock solid, uh, and then a right tackle Jonah Williams is going to compete with Lael Collins, who is going to come back at some point in training camp. Um, I think that is probably going to be a solid situation at right tackle, um, regardless of who plays there. Um, I think Jonah is probably going to have that spot though. He's healthier. Um, even though he's coming back from a knee injury as well, he, Lael Collins has more wear and tear on his body. I don't see him ever reclaiming what he was, unfortunately. Um, but Jonah, I think will be, you know, fine there. You know, I have this offensive line ranked slightly above average. Um, you know, so I, I see them being kind of similar to last year, a little bit better than last year, you know, is kind of what I see. So but a little bit better pass protecting. I think um, so. A, a little bit uh, about the same with running. Um, yeah, yeah, I could, I, I would probably say a little bit, you know, better in both. Um, good. But yeah. And, and that's all you need when you've got someone as good as Joe Burrow and the weapons right. they have, yeah. right? Uh, uh, yeah. Fractions of seconds can be yeah. like minutes when you're trying to defend against this team. Yeah, exactly. You just needed to get a little bit better. And, you know, the way Jonah Williams played a left tackle last year was was not good. He took a major drop off because in 2021, he was really good. But then last year, he just took a step back and they their timeline is, you know, right now, you know, they couldn't they couldn't afford to, you know, mess around with with the tackle position. So they went outside Orlando Brown, totally get it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they did the right thing and they'll be a little bit better. Awesome. Um, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. The Jets are another team yeah. that have invested a lot on the offensive line, and they've got one of the sneakiest under-the-radar opportunities if Mekhi Becton can ever get healthy. Tell us about the offensive line of the Jets, how you think it will enhance or uh, not enhance the weapons there. Yeah, so the Jets I have like really is like a middle of the pack offensive line projector right now, you know, somewhere between 15 and 18. Um, you know, they're spending the 15th most in the NFL kind of I, I think you're kind of going to get what you pay for, you know, in a sense, you know, I think their production is kind of going to match what they're spending at the position, which is fine. You know, if they're the 15th best offensive line in the league, you know, that that's plenty good. Um, but there are some quick, serious quick, question quick, marks as well quick interjection what yeah. were the you know because com to compare apples and apples what was the offensive line rated for the Packers that um that Rodgers played for last year in my last year's rankings yeah were they in other words were they also right in the middle of the pack is Rodgers getting an upgrade or is he getting a downgrade or about the same um you know I would need to go back and look because I think it varied quite a bit early in the year they were lower Later in the year, they were higher because David Bakhtiari came he, back. He came back, yeah. Right. So um, with Bakhtiari in there and when they're fully healthy, I think it's a downgrade. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say overall last year, it's probably somewhere closer to the middle. 
um, if you factor in how they were, you know, beginning and end. But um, Rodgers is used to playing behind great offensive lines. That's just, you know, he's played behind great offensive lines his whole career. Um, so this is a downgrade, I think, uh, here in New York. But I don't know if it's, you know, detrimental, um, you know, because I, I still do think this is a middle of the pack offensive line. But, um, you know, my questions are primarily at tackle. You know, you mentioned Makai Becton. He's played, um, you know, one game in two years. So, you know, that's that's a huge question mark. If he doesn't play, you'll still probably be okay, you know, because they have uh, Max Mitchell there, um, who's, you know, I think a, a fine player, you know, rookie last year out of Louisiana Lafayette. He played admirably when he played last year. So he'll, he'll be okay. But you ideally want Makai Becton. If he is healthy, and playing, you know, then I think that this offensive line could be better. But I'm going into the season skeptical because we just haven't seen it. And then also <laughs> their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, is 38 years old, coming off a of shoulder surgery as well. They kept him out of four games last year. So at tackle, it could fall apart real quick. And this thing could be, you know, it could get ugly quickly, uh, you know, because they don't really have great depth, you know, behind both tackle spots. No team in the NFL does. Uh, so I like the interior, um, and I think if the tackles could stay healthy, this could be a really good offensive line. Could Vela Tucker be one of the best in the game? I think he's the best offensive line lineman on the team, hands down. Um, he's, to me, already, you know, probably one of the six to eight best right guards in football. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very high on him. I think he's he's really they good. They traded he's up a, a lot to player. get him. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, the Bills line isn't great, um, but is it is it as bad? I think people really think it's a bad offensive line and that it'll hold Josh Allen back from a pass protection standpoint. What are your thoughts on the Bills? Yeah, I I could kind of go either way here. I have them, you know, just outside my top 20, um, you know, in offensive line rankings. So uh, you know, in the same tier as the Jets, although the Jets are at the very top of that tier. So they're closer to the next one than the Bills, for sure. The Bills are kind of closer to the, the one, you know, uh, uh, after them. Um, they they went out this offseason and they certainly attempted to get better. They've attempted to improve their offensive line every year. Um, you know, they've done a great job, I think, kind of building the offensive line. They just had some unfortunate injuries that has derailed, you know, their process. Um, I think the key for the Bills offensive line this year is right tackle Spencer Brown. Um, I think this is third year now coming out of Northern Iowa, small school, came out very raw. He's an athletic, you know, phenom, I think is probably fair to say, just a complete athletic freak, um, but he's very raw. And he missed last offseason due to injury. He missed he missed uh, training camp, and that was vital. He went into the year, you know, just kind of behind, you know, and he never really could quite get there. So now he's healthy full off season we're going to see now like is if spencer brown is going to be good you know i think and if he is actually functional and maybe average i think this offensive line is going to be pretty good now if he plays how he did last year and the year before it could be more of the same you know you know with the offensive line kind of being in hindrance to the the offensive as a you know the offense as a whole so um, I think they got a little bit better at left guard with Connor McGovern, you know, replacing Roger Saffold. Uh, and then they drafted Osiris Torrance in the second round from Florida, who's definitely a better run blocker than pass blocker. Um, but I think he'll be a slight upgrade. So two slight upgrades at guard. 
Uh, they have a really good center already. They have a good left tackle. But to me, it just it all boils down to Spencer Brown. I mean, if, if he is a little bit more reliable in pass protection, this thing could you know be firing on all cylinders. But he could also derail it pretty quickly as well. Well, that, that's interesting because um, it could have been the answer to my next and last question. And I want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, just fabulous information. We're definitely going to get you guys over to see what, uh, you know, hit, uh, Brandon's uh, rankings have just dropped. I'm going to be going there myself and reading every single word that Brandon has written over the last few uh uh, days on offensive line. And my last question for you, Brandon, is give me a surprise team, you know, that surprised you when you did your research where you thought they would be lower and you ended up putting them higher. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I kind of touched on, you know, I think Seattle surprised me a little bit. I think they were a little bit higher than I would than I thought going in. You could um, give me surprise worse too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll give you another kind of well, and I mentioned them as well. I think the Texans also surprised me. I think their offensive line is going to be, you know, pretty good. I, I said it in my article. I kind of think that the the rise of the offensive line in Houston kind of matches the positive vibes that are you know reverberating across the franchise right now with what they did in the draft and you know high end coach they brought in yeah like you I know, just I think mean, a major line, upgrade major upgrade to head coach yeah I mean Shaq Mason and then they're not going to have the worst center in the league you know I, I don't think so that's in of itself just going to make things a little bit better. Um, and maybe a lot better, you know, I think that's in the cards as well. So I think they're a little bit of an above average offensive line and that surprised me a little bit. And then the bucks as well, you know, we talked about, I think they surprised me a little bit as well, you know, considering they're not spending much money, but I will kind of, you know, you know, undergird that opinion with the fact that Baker Mayfield's there and that's not going to help anything. So anyway, um, I lied. I lied. I forgot. I'm a giant fan. Um, okay. they, they finally put some assets there. Um, obviously, the left tackle is a player. Um, the right tackle, to me, I didn't love the pick last year as a fan. I, I thought that he got beat too easily, um, you know, um, in pass pro. Uh, tell the Giants offensive line, please. Yeah, so I have I have them ranked, you know, outside the top 20 as well. Um, but you know, that's another team, I think, where you you really have to look at uh, kind of the infrastructure, the off the, the environment that they're operating in, you know, in Brian Dable's scheme, which I think is a really good scheme. And it really accentuates the strengths of the offensive line. They ran the second highest percentage of play action in the NFL last year, uh, a balanced run pass split. So they're balanced, heavy play action, um, a very conducive environment for development for offensive line. Um, so I, you know, not asked to do, you know, the hardest things in the world, you know, compared to maybe some other offensive lines. So with that said, you, you mentioned Andrew Thomas, certainly a top five left tackle in the game, in my opinion now. So he's your building block. And then after that, I think it's either John Michael Schmitz or Evan Neal, or probably going to be your second best player on the offensive line. Now that could go one of two ways. I mean, Evan, Evan Neal, you mentioned he struggled last year, especially against speed. You know, Hassan Reddick, uh, yep. you know, really jumps out to me. Um, but, you know, he's 6'7", 360. He's going to have to learn to kind of grow into his body a little bit. He was 21 years old last year. 
Um, I, I could see, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to have the same trajectory as Andrew Thomas, but Andrew Thomas, as you Thomas you know, started remember, slow. He was re- very bad. He, he was very year. bad as a rookie. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, got a little bit better second year and then, you know, ex- you know, just extra, you know, just extremely, you know, had an extremely big jump, you know, the, the following year. I don't know if Evan Neal is going to necessarily get there, but I do think he'll, you know, he has a good chance of being better than he was last year. And, you know, considering he's 22 years old now, um, I think that just be patient with him, you know, for another year or so. Uh, John Michael Schmitz was my top center in the draft. Uh, I love you know, that I don't pick. see, I don't see an all pro, but I definitely see like a Ben Jones, who was the Titans starting center yep. for a decade. Uh, that's the kind of player. And the Giants center has been terrible for, I know, you know just been terrible for Richburg. Yeah. Well, even yeah. Richburg wasn't like Richburg when he first came out was okay, but he got those, the injuries and, um, you know. Yeah. I, I think he was more than okay, but yeah, the injuries okay. did, the injuries did really. Just I trust really, you more than me. Yeah. He, he was really good there, man, for a couple was of years. He? Yeah, the, the injuries really killed him. But anyway, yeah, I think John Michael Schmitz could really be a solidifying presence for the interior of the offensive line. And um, left guard's a big question mark. I don't really see that position being, you know, very good. Um, hopefully it's not bad. I, I like Joshua Zudu. Hopefully he can win that job. Um, but uh, Mark Lewinsky's okay. You know, I think the guards are going to be okay. The center could be solid. Again, similar to the Bills, where their right tackle is going to kind of make or break, you know, where the offensive line can go. I think the same could be said with the Giants and Evan Neal. So, you know, right now I'm going in outside the top 20 on their offensive line, but I, I could see a path where they can get a little bit better than that. But I don't, they're not going to be they, and, and smart enough to scheme to their strengths. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I know they yeah. brought over the guy from Philadelphia, the assistant general manager who had a reputation at being able to uncover some of these late offensive line guys. So I'm hoping that we start as, you know, these drafts start adding up, we start seeing, you know, the fruit of that and they actually got the right guy out of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that happens. They, I mean, you know, they drafted one offensive lineman this year, so um, he's going to start at center. We'll we'll see in future years though. That'll be interesting to see kind of who they acquire or whatnot. Awesome. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, Brandon. And again, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed this very, very much. Yeah, likewise, man. I, I appreciate you having me. So uh, trenchwarfare.substack.com. People can uh, go to that link and um, sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I have a lot of stuff coming out before the season, but in season is really when I dial it up, you know, another level um, and then establish the run, of course, and then Bleacher Report. We'll see if they're going to do it another year. But as of right now, it looks like I'll probably be back for a fourth year scouting college offensive lineman for them. And my Twitter, you know, which I think you have right there, Brandon Thorne NFL, um, find a lot of my information there as well. Awesome. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks to Brandon. Next week, we have Matthew Harmon. We're going to be hitting the wide receiver position. I'm a big fan of his uh, reception perception, and we're going to look for some sleepers at the wide receiver position for best ball. I'm Todd from PA or at Best Ball NFL. We will see you next week.